limiting the use of such things by consumers and increasing incentives for suppliers in far-off places to provide the goods and services most needed in the hurricane's aftermath. If ice fetches $10 a bag when Floridians are facing power outages in the August heat, ice manufacturers will find it worth their while to produce and ship more of it. There's nothing unjust about these prices, Sowell explained, they simply reflect the value that buyers and sellers choose to place on the things they exchange. Jeff Jacoby, a pro-market commentator writing in the Boston Globe, argued against price-gouging laws on similar grounds. It isn't gouging to charge what the market will bear, he wrote. It isn't greedy or brazen. It's how goods and services get allocated in a free society. Jacoby acknowledged that the price spikes are infuriating, especially to someone whose life has just been thrown into turmoil by a deadly storm. But public anger, he thought, was no justification for interfering with the free market. By providing incentives for suppliers to produce more of the needed goods, the seemingly exorbitant prices do far more good than harm, Jacoby wrote. His conclusion? Demonizing vendors won't speed Florida's recovery. Letting them go about their business will. Attorney General Christ, a Republican who would later be elected governor of Florida, published an op-ed piece in the Tampa paper defending the law against price gouging. In times of emergency, he wrote, government cannot remain on the sidelines while people are charged unconscionable prices as they flee for their lives or seek the basic commodities for their families after a hurricane. Christ rejected the notion that these unconscionable prices reflected a truly free exchange. This is not the normal free market situation, he wrote, where willing buyers freely elect to enter into the marketplace and meet willing sellers, where a price is agreed upon based on supply and demand. In an emergency, Buyers under duress have no freedom. Their purchases of necessities, like safe lodging, are forced. The debate about price gouging that arose in the aftermath of Hurricane Charlie raises hard questions of morality and law. Is it wrong for sellers of goods and services to take advantage of a natural disaster by charging whatever the market will bear? If so, what, if anything, should the law do about it? Should the state prohibit price gouging, even if doing so interferes with the freedom of buyers and sellers to make whatever deals they choose? These questions are not only about how individuals should treat one another. They are also about what the law should be and how society should be organized. They are questions about justice. To answer them, we have to explore the meaning of justice. In fact, we've already begun to do so. If you look closely at the price gouging debate, you'll notice that the arguments for and against price gouging laws revolve around three ideas, maximizing welfare, respecting freedom, and promoting virtue. Each of these ideas points to a different way of thinking about justice. Welfare, Freedom, and Virtue The standard case for unfettered markets 
rests on two claims, one about welfare, the other about freedom. First, markets promote the welfare of society as a whole by providing incentives for people to work hard, supplying the goods that other people want. In common parlance, we often equate welfare with economic prosperity, though welfare is a broader concept that can include non-economic aspects of social well-being. Second, markets respect individual freedom. Rather than impose a certain value on goods and services, markets let people choose for themselves what value to place on the things they exchange. Not surprisingly, the opponents of price-gouging laws invoke these two familiar arguments for free markets. How do defenders of price-gouging laws respond? First, they argue that the welfare of society as a whole is not really served.